0: Welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. I am joined today by Kyle Matovic, right? Yeah, you got okay. it. All right, just making sure I suck with names. Uh, he is the host of In Liberty, and Health podcast. And uh, how you doing today, man?
1: Excellent, man, I appreciate being on. I dig the show and I really dig the uh, Gent intro. So uh, yeah, dude, pleased to be All here man. and uh, looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, dude, yeah, it's it's gonna be good. So I actually found you uh, through reed coverdale well that and you know twitter mm-hmm. so because you know twitter isn't that big of a universe
1: <laughs> right yeah you know we all kind of come from the uh twitter and um yeah I, I i do have to give a huge shout out to reed because he's been um largely responsible in propping up my uh ridiculous ass and um you know <laughs> him and i kind of come at things in a very very similar way and uh, he actually spent the night at my house here uh when he was moving back to new hampshire but um You know i when i first started the podcast i found him and i think i originally heard of him because he was on um tom woods had shared his show when tom was on reed show i know that's like a a a lot to follow there but um and i decided to start the podcast i think he was my ninth guest if i remember correctly and um we hit it off really good and me and him are pretty tight we still talk almost every single day and um he much like myself was kind of skeptical of the whole maga movement and we saw um a lot of the same stuff like these guys really aren't anti-war like they say and um a lot of this China stuff that they're going on about is just <laughs> ridiculous and it was really Peter Schiff that kind of turned me on to the China stuff but um you know we can kind of work our way there so anyways yeah Reed Coverdale did a lot of uh, boosting for me so I really appreciate it and he's just an awesome guy so I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with him and he's been they, on my they show a bunch be. yeah <laughs> if, if they're
0: not at this point then I don't know how big of a fan they are of mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude so exactly uh what is your show uh and yeah what what exactly made you want to get into this liberty podcasting thing
1: well i, I know you, um everybody always says that you're not really a libertarian unless you have a podcast so um <laughs> you know I, I couldn't consider myself a libertarian until I, started, until I started putting myself out in the space so um i've been a big health and wellness kind of advocate for quite a while now i've been exercising consistently for about 10 years and i always felt like the only way you can have maximal liberty is through achieving your highest level of uh, physical well-being, And I didn't really see anybody else communicating that in any kind of serious way in the space. Not that there aren't any people in like the health and wellness space that aren't libertarians, but I never saw anybody really take a direct approach to kind of bring these two worlds together or to communicate, you know, one to the other, or, you know, the other, to the other one. So I felt like I could perhaps bring those two together and hopefully equip fellow libertarians with the knowledge and the information to make themselves into better people through resistance training, through diet, through exercise, through stuff like that. And then maybe talk to some health people about stuff that, um, matters when it comes to Liberty and the political stuff. And it, it really surprised me and it really shouldn't have, but, um, it surprised me how many, um, friends we have over in that realm. I mean, one of the uh, biggest people, um, One of the biggest podcasts in that entire realm is the uh, Mind Pump podcast. And all those guys are huge libertarians. I mean, they had Peter Schiff on their show for, you know, for hell's sake. So, um, yeah, those guys are all awesome. And like I said, I just didn't see any cohesive effort to bring um, health to the uh, liberty sphere. So I felt like that was somewhere where I could kind of, you know, suck up some of the air in the room. And it's been absolutely fantastic. And I've really enjoyed all the conversations I've had with um, all the incredible people out of, you know, both spaces and even beyond that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting like libertarians kind of have this uh so some of us have this mentality, but it's it's kind of a uh, I guess a stereotype to be like a a weak weeb, you know. <laughs> and my thought has always been like we should be discussing these politics and social issues, but we should be doing it in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, like we should be having the debates and everything flexing our minds but also in the gym. Like, it just makes sense to me to work out your body and your mind, because you're right, it's the the highest form of liberty is going to be taking control of your health.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of data on kind of this stuff too as well so when you start looking into older age people i believe there was a a study done over in i want to say it was korea where they actually correlated your overall grip strength with how long you live and if you think about it on kind of like a bare bones level if you have more grip strength then you're more likely to be able to kind of carry yourself your body weight and then not only that we know that um as you get older, the more oxygen you can supply to your brain through physical exercise, the longer you're going to stay cognitively well. And then plus, you know, the additional benefits of having lean mass as you age, you know, you're able to kind of just guide yourself through space and time and everything like that, um, when you have more muscle mass. So it's very, very important that you try to, you know, stay as physically fit as possible into your later age. and. Um, if anything, 2020 should have really taught us that we should take our health very, very seriously. And not that I necessarily thought COVID was this big killer. I always compare it to um, the pin that pricked a lot of bubbles. Um, you know, we had a financial bubble, but we also had a public health bubble where, um, we are in the u.s at least a very sick overweight and obese country um that's not to say that people who are obese or unhealthy are bad people but um we've not right we've kicked the can down the road on kind of getting our health together and that's really why in some areas and in some age demographics and in some specific you know people um COVID really hit them really really hard and so this message really need to be put forth so you know you did see some people in the health space speaking out about it but um you know I felt like like I said my voice could help contribute to that and hopefully steer people in that direction dude
0: wasn't it just fucking wild they shut down gyms (laughs) and then like they they were pouring sand in fucking like skate parks and shit yeah and they were telling everyone no just stay inside Mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. That was never going to help
1: anyone. Right. Well, you know, it's funny because even some of the science coming out um, early on was saying that like, Hey, this doesn't really spread outdoors um if you're not sick you're not going to spread it asymptomatic spread was one of the biggest lies i mean there was a study out of the university of east anglia that i think it was contact traced i, I, I may get some of these numbers wrong so people can go ahead and look this up though um they contact traced 10 million people And what they found is that less than i think it was like 130 people actually spread the virus asymptomatically uh, jay Bhattacharya, who's done a lot of great research on this topic as well um symptomatic um spread within a household was like I, if i recall correctly it was like 17 out of every 100 cases spread the actually i think it might have been 17 out of 1000 and then asymptomatic was like 7 out of every 1000 so i mean If you are fit and healthy, then you have less viral load, right? You don't get as sick. I mean, this is just common sense. So if you're not as sick, then you're not going to have as much shedding. So you're not going to spread the virus to that many people. But for some reason we told people, you know, be scared of the air, stay in your house, wear a mask, and then, you know, take this experimental thing. And hopefully that kind of works out for you. But even to that point, if you want to believe in this experimental thing that we've been told to get for the last two and a half years, the best way for that to work is if you're even more healthy, but they never really talked about that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just stay sedentary, stay out of the sun, right. you know, stay glued to your TV. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and wait for your uh, governor or whoever your local official to tell you what you can do the next day. And I tell this story on my podcast all the time, especially when I'm talking to people. Um, I love getting people's stories about what it was like for them in March, 2020. Um, my wife, worked at um a respironics place where they're actually building respirators and i'm an auto mechanic by trade so um you know cars are always broken right so i never thought anything was going to happen to me but then i want to say mid to late march of 2020 i got told hey you're getting laid off which like blew my freaking mind and my wife literally had a note a piece of paper and they told her hey if you ever caught outside driving around and the police pull you over just show them this note to let them know that you're on your way to work it was bizarre to me and i'm in southwestern pennsylvania so the lockdowns here actually were pretty severe you know not as bad as someplace in the country but pretty damn close yeah
0: it was it was the same for me um like it it was wild so i was working in a warehouse at the time Mm -hmm. you know doing distribution and everything and yeah it was wild when i got handed a piece of paper you know show this to the police to let them know Mm -hmm. you're at work it's like are you fucking kidding me like this is what what are we experiencing right now Mm -hmm. and i mean i never stopped working i mean well there there was a couple of weeks there only because i was switching jobs but nonetheless Mm -hmm. like i never i never stopped working my industry never quit Mm -hmm. so um i actually switched over to beer warehousing though Mm -hmm. which during the pandemic was pretty great because a lot of beer was going out.
1: <laughs> wow. Yes. But see, to, to that point, um, you know, when people are drinking alcohol, it's not something that, you know, healthy people do. And no. I, I do make, <laughs> I mean, I do it not infrequently. I probably do have a cocktail at least every single weekend, but um, to, to that larger point, it's funny. We shut down gyms and parks, but we left all the liquor stores and everything open and I get it. You know, if you have alcoholics that just go, you know, cold cock withdrawal, then that could actually kill people. But at the same time, we need to encourage the other end of, hey, we need to get people, maybe just go outside, right? Go for a 10 minute walk. So there was a study done as well, I believe, where they found that 10 minute walks were actually better at regulating blood sugar than one of the most um, prescribed drugs in the entire world metformin for uh, type 2 diabetes so doing a 10 minute walk post meal will actually help level out your blood glucose levels you know that blood sugar spike and crash if you go for a walk after meals and that will actually help even that out so um you never heard that though, right? You just yeah. heard, hey, you know, you can go to the beer distributor, you can go get drive through McDonald's, all the restaurants are gonna be open. But um, you know, if you want to go to the park and enjoy the sun, well, just make sure you have your mask on. Or we're gonna lock up the gates and as you said, put sand in the parks. It was just absolutely bizarre to me. Or people going to the beach right i mean you're never like on top of each other at a freaking beach but you can't go to the beach which is just absolutely insane to me and we know pretty much everybody is deficient in vitamin d where you get vitamin d from you get it from the sun but you weren't allowed to go out in the sun either so yeah just the last two almost three years is just like it turned reality on its head it's ridiculous and um I see a lot of people talking about the uh, side effects of this experiment that we've been told to take. And I agree that there definitely is a lot of stuff going on there, but I feel like when you just blame it on that, you omit all the ancillary effects of lockdowns and what that's having on overall people on people's overall health. Um, there's a website, I think it's called worldunemployment.org and they actually explain how per 1% of unemployment, i think it's in just in the u.s you could track thirty-seven thousand deaths over the course of six years from that one percent of unemployment and in 2020 the highest unemployment got here in the u.s was um i think it was 15 percent. so right there alone um over the course of six years you're going to see about half a million people dead from unemployment alone and that doesn't mean you lose your job and you're dead instantly but you know just the ancillary effects of overall loss of purpose and how people may deal with that causes them to suicides perhaps... and right just
0: like you know having a heart attack from being so stressed mm. and oh yeah. yeah yeah it's it's really interesting to see those ripples that just go mm-hmm. through um, society i mean you, you can see anytime any big trauma and of course this is like the biggest trauma within like recent history right that i mean the next biggest thing that i could even possibly think of was nine eleven, and that, that even that wasn't as uh damaging as this
1: right yeah i remember being in first grade so i just turned 28 a little over a month ago and um yeah i can remember watching the tvs and everything and um there is something to the idea of being unified and i think it's michael mouse who brings up the point that uh when we're most unified is when the regime gets pretty much exactly what it wants because you have trust in your leaders at that point right um i was kind of thinking about this this morning actually i was working out is that um a lot of people have this like savior complex. They're looking for some kind of savior. Mm. But um, mm. what I've been trying to push lately and what I've really been thinking is that we need to build our own saviors. We need to build ourselves as the saviors because Donald Trump's not going to come save you. Joe Biden's not going to come <laughs> save you. Ron DeSantis isn't even going to save you. He says some good stuff over here and there, but believe me, he's not the hero in your story. You have to be the hero in your own story. So that means building a network around yourself. That means resistance training. That means having very, very meaningful relationships. And that means... You know doing what you can to make your life and your you know whole network and community as great as possible because the uh man in the white house will never do that for you your mayor might not even do that for you so um really where us as libertarians or even just individuals in our communities really need to focus is as locally as possible and with the people who mean the most and can actually affect our lives the most
0: yeah and it, it's blatant nobody is coming to save you
1: mm-hmm. right so yeah. It,
0: like, if, if you want to be saved, you have to do it. There's <laughs> yeah, no other and, option.
1: Right. And this is something that I kind of thought about, like I said, a lot this morning was um, people always talking about how, oh, well, if, if we could just go back to like 2019 or, you know, they just blame this on Biden. And then some people blame it on Trump. But as I said, you know, they're they're looking for a savior, but they're not coming. If anything, 2020 should have told you that even though you had your guy in the White House, if you're a Republican, um, he's not going to do it he crumbled it every single time it meant to do something i mean yep. there everyone's talking about inflation now but no one wants to say about how he bragged about the biggest wealth transfer in you know in human history possibly where literally all people like us you know middle-class people who are blue-collar guys going to work every day um a lot of our wealth was stolen via inflation and given to you know billionaires millionaires and people who really didn't need the money but they got it anyways. All the airlines got bailed out. And what do we get? We get $1,400 that now we're paying the price for.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, not to mention his massive spending. Right. Which is, yeah. I, I swear, all he did, he spent more than any other president up to that point in one term than most two-term presidents. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. So, I mean... I I don't know the the idea that anybody is going to come and save you politically anyways. I, but I think it's kind of a, uh, a misunderstanding of exactly how things work Mm -hmm. because you know, it's been forced down our throats so long all the way from learning that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. Couldn't tell a lie. All -hmm. of that state propaganda ever since then. And that it's just, they are the ones that, you know, make the decisions. And it's like, well, yeah, kind of, but not really. You know? Like of course they can swipe a pen and then all of a sudden gas prices go up. Um, but that also has a lot to do with your state and your county. That that's not just one man sitting in the oval office.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, and this is going to sound stupid where I'm going with this, but like TikTok kind of seems to be like a sign of the times where it really shows where our attention span is, where we can't sit down and comprehend a more extensive point or a more extensive story or stuff like that. So you just need this too long, didn't read. Right. Um, Somebody I listen to a lot. Who talks about intersectional dynamics that i think a lot more people should listen to is rola tomasi and he calls it the too long didn't read generation that's really what we're living through where you know oh, all this inflation just happened all of a sudden when biden got elected in january of 2021 well if you think that's true then you're never going to get to the solution because you're not looking at the root cause of the problem which is the federal reserve printing money just out of thin air and stealing our future purchasing power so people just kind of put their head in the sand to play partisan politics and that's always been one of the most annoying things to me and um i I pick on tim pool a lot but what irritates me about (laughs) someone like him is that he represent or he acts as if he's a non biased actor but though he'll omit all the things that make you know the trump era look bad and i don't know if it's on purpose to me it seems like it's on purpose but um really you need to be very objective about these things because you know it, it matters where this all started and how it's going and who contributed what and how this affects us now because once again if you're just sitting here putting a band-aid on a snake bite all the time well you still got a snake bite well what do you got to do do you have to amputate your arm or are you gonna be able to get the venom out you know there's yeah. multiple ways to skin a cat but nobody ever wants to talk about that people just want to talk about what's going on right now well you know i'm looking to have a conversation beyond that because if we just keep thinking that oh well you just got to get a republican and you just got to get democrat in or (laughs) even you just got to get a libertarian in, then um you you may not be getting you're actually you're likely not getting to the root cause of the problems if we ever get a libertarian president that's it i'm out of the party
0: (laughs) (laughs) i want nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's it's really interesting i mean I I think it's actually kind of bifurcating. Uh, we, we've got like part of the community or not just community, but like part of society going in the direction of having more attention span. I mean, like, look at the TV shows, like we've, I mean, they're miniseries, but they're long, deep, you know, Mm -hmm. stories. And then we've got the TikTok generation that are just Mm -hmm. like, I can't think longer than five minutes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is something to that. Um, And like people don't really sit down for movies as much anymore, but like the shows, like you said, they're getting a little bit deeper, but um, a lot of people don't want to sit down for movies anymore. But then like younger people are going to be on TikTok all day. And a quick point on TikTok, because I've had so many people say stupid stuff about this. Um, TikTok is not stealing your data and sending it to the CCP. That's just ridiculous. Um, It's actually being stored in a server through Oracle, if I remember correctly. Um, They just closed out a deal, I want to say like six or seven months ago, where the data is actually being stored here in the US. So the idea that TikTok is a CCP device to take over the US is just ridiculous. Like I don't think some people really understand how silly they sound when they say some of this... um, deep state well you know call it what it is deep state propaganda um just when it comes to china and i'm sorry to go on this tangent but i just can't stand how silly people get over this stuff and how seemingly good people peddle propaganda that they wouldn't even like if it was the people they don't like peddling this propaganda they would dismiss it right away but because there's a lot of trustworthy people they trust and don't verify but one thing that i think is a lot of a big problem for a lot of people is that they trust and don't verify when no matter who it is even me all the stuff that i do um you should always trust what i say but go ahead go verify it so whenever i make a bold statement whenever i say hey tiktok isn't a ccp um app that's trying to steal your data i always try to put a link to an article or where i source my stuff. So that way people can once again, trust me and see that what I'm saying is actually true.
0: So I have always felt like the way that the Republicans feel about China is kind of how the Democrats feel about the Republicans. And Mm -hmm. so you, you watch and see what the Democrats say about the Republicans and almost none of it's true. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like the Republicans, like it's the same thing is going on there. I don't think that a, a, a massive communist, uh, basically a, a farce, uh, they're, they're global, o- open to global trade, which is the only reason they're surviving. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, they're super inefficient and can't get anything done because they're communists. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I don't, I, I agree with you on the, the China propaganda I think they are a, a bit of a threat, but they're nowhere near the threat that's being made. Like they're this super organized. It's the same thing with, uh, with the USSR during the Cold War, you know, mm-hmm. like every everything's super efficient and they're doing all of this stuff. It's like, well, that's what China wants you to think though. Right. But they're not. They have entire cities just empty. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have enough people they've got buildings and bridges collapsing all the time Mm -hmm. like now you know civil unrest and everything like
1: yeah you have people writing literal political manifestos over there so um you know anytime there's people writing manifestos and talking about a cultural revolution um that usually means shit's about to go down and two of the main purveyors of a lot of china propaganda would be steve bannon and the person who started this whole claim about the Uyghur genocide is uh, actually Adrian Zenz. So, um, if I may, I'll start with Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon actually got a lot of funding from a guy named Miles Guo, and I haven't quite finished my digging on this. Um, over the last couple of months, I've just been so freaking insanely busy. But uh, Miles Guo is actually a CCP dissident who was a billionaire over in China, but then you know had started defrauding people like left and right, and even like he's defrauded a lot of Americans. Where he had this cryptocurrency. Um, I can't remember the coin, but people could look it up. Um, he defrauded people and had to pay the SEC, I think it was $439 million because a bunch of people bought into this cryptocurrency and actually never received any dividends and never got any like return on their investment. So he ended up having to pay them that. Um, Miles Guo is also the owner of the boat that um, Steve Bannon was arrested on. Um, this guy has also been accused of rape and there have been a lot of other CCP dissidents here in America that i have actually been assaulted who were like tangentially related to Miles Guo. So why are like Miles Guo and Steve Bannon tied? Because Miles Guo has actually given um, Steve Bannon Copious amounts of money. Um, I think he even gave him it was like one hundred fifty thousand dollars, or like 150 million dollars for um strategic consulting services. He had him, I believe, he was hired for the network that he was running. I'm fuzzy on some of these details just because it's been a couple months, but um, there was another CCP dissident who's a um not a stockbroker, but one of these uh, I don't want to say like a venture capitalist, but kind of like that. Um an investor of some sort over in China who um, Miles Guo had got, I think it was like an $88 billion loan from and he completely defaulted on the loan. So it's really, really interesting to think, okay, well, why would Steve Bannon be so hawkish on China and say that they're the number one threat and that he wants regime change over there, but he's being funded by a guy who's a CCP dissident that kind of links this all up pretty neat and tight. So to move on to where a lot of people get this propaganda about the Uyghur stuff, um, Adrian Zenz is a reporter. He's a forensic scientist, I believe, out of Germany, and he wrote this report and he was off by a factor of I think it was 10. Um, The Uyghur Muslims are a group in China who definitely aren't being treated well. Um, And nobody knows exactly what's going on over there, but um, one of the things that Adrian Zenz had cited in coming up with this Uyghur genocide claim was the amount of IEDs, or not IEDs, um, IUDs, or whatever they're called, that are put into women Mm -hmm. to basically sterilize them. Um, It was, he said that 87% of all the IED insertions were done in the Uyghur Muslims um, in China and he actually messed up and moved the decimal point from 8.7 to 87 um percent of all of the id insertions were being performed on we are muslim women so when you get that then it looks oh this is really bad because we're sterilizing a bunch of people um And the other thing is that Adrian Zen's documents that he was getting from Xinjiang were actually able to be edited. Right. And he was the one editing some of them. So, um, when you kind of dig beneath the surface here, you just find a lot of shady stuff and a lot of credibility issues. And on top of that, if you type in Adrian Zen's retraction, you'll actually find a ton of articles, basically how he admitted he got that wrong. So the two main talking heads for a lot of this China propaganda, um, the one guy has a severe conflict of interest and then the other guy has complete and total credibility issues. So it's really interesting when you consider this stuff and this has been something that has been really, really pushed on the right. And one thing that they're refusing to acknowledge is actually the Biden administration's, um, constant ramping of tensions with China. And this isn't just with China, but um the Biden policy seems to be escalations everywhere. I mean, with Iran, with Russia, um, even like in, if I recall correctly, some parts of South America, Um, you go look over in Somalia, it's just escalation everywhere for what, like if anything, we should be trying to, you know, trade with these people, we should be trying to cool tensions. Um, with Iran, you know, we were supposed to enter back into the nuclear deal, but now that's completely gone by the wayside. So, um, I just really wish right wingers would let this go because it would be a lot easier for people like myself, who are very fervently anti war, to side with them if they would just drop this, you know, China hawkishness because it's built on so much bad ground.
0: Well, and we, we've got bigger things to worry about. Like, if, mm-hmm. if China is really that big of a threat, then we need to be working towards some sort of uh, like mutual understanding with them. So, we, we, we don't need to be all war hawkish against them because that's what, what's that going to lead to against somebody who's apparently a super huge threat? Like, no, 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 no. That's not how you handle a super huge fucking threat. You mm-hmm. don't threaten them back. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's, not, that, that's not the mature way to do it. That's not the proper way to do it. Uh, that, that's not the diplomatic way. Like, it, it is ridiculous. Um, you you got to keep trade open to uh you know prevent soldiers from, yeah uh, going across the border
1: yeah yeah. it's a, um the saying always is um if goods don't cross borders then soldiers will so, yeah and exactly. there's definitely there's definitely something to be said for that because um As I said earlier, Peter Schiff was one of the people that really turned me on to this because I remember listening to his podcast a lot and I still never miss an episode. But um, I remember him saying, oh, we have this huge trade deficit with China and Trump is always pointing the finger at them saying that they're the cause of all our problems. Well, then we did all these tariffs on China over steel. Well, do you know how much steel we actually get from China? we only get, I think it's two to 3% of steel from China. And that was what a lot of the tariffs were on. So there was a study done, I believe by the Hill and not that, you know, you should necessarily believe everything that they say, but, um, that cost the economy. I think it was over 300,000 jobs. Well, no right wingers talk about that because China bad Trump good, right? It's just, it's binary. Nobody could be objective. So, um, that had caused a lot of issues. And then actually 94% 94% of those tariffs were actually paid by Americans. There's plenty of research done on this as well. Um, China paid 6% of the tariffs. The rest went to American consumers. Um, I was just looking at an article today where um, they were covering the debt year by year by year. And obviously 2020, the pandemic is what largely drove the $5 trillion that were that was printed into existence. Um, and then I think 2019, they cited trade wars. That seems a little ridiculous to me, but... Um, There is something to be said for China being able to build cheap stuff and then us sending them debt. So really, who's the winner here? Are we the winner for getting goods, the microphone, maybe some of the stuff that's in the background here Uh, and we just send them paper? you know, we get goods, our standard of living increases by sending them debt. So once again, who's the winner? Who's the loser here? And if anything, we should try to maybe make this more mutually beneficial instead of just pointing at them and saying they're bad. And all the stuff that they cite, oh, they manipulate their currency. Really? <laughs> they manipulate their currency? Are, are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> all, <laughs> all currency is manipulated if you haven't caught on at this point. So yeah, yeah.
1: if you have a central bank, then your currency is being manipulated no matter what. (laughs) Crypto's
0: manipulated, like everything's manipulated. So Mm -hmm. the only thing that isn't manipulated is whatever you can be able to hold in your hand that's tangible, Mm -hmm. you know, that could hold some sort of value, whether that be like alcohol, tobacco, food, uh, medical supplies, that can't be manipulated. Other than that, if it's any type of a currency... It's manipulated so yeah that, that's a stupid excuse
1: yeah yeah well you can manipulate alcohol in some pretty great ways um one of my go-to drinks is actually the uh, japanese old-fashioned or just old-fashioned general I'm, I'm i'm a pretty crown royal guy um <laughs> my band All is right, called common right. crown yeah and uh one of my buddies had said oh you put the crown in a common crown i'm like i need a t-shirt with that <laughs> on it but, yeah my, my thing is uh live music obviously and um yeah uh you know whenever i my band plays uh, some of the bigger festivals. You know, I'm usually the guy walking around with a fifth crown in his pocket, which I know that's a pretty sharp turn from where we were. But, um, yeah, now I I, um, I think it's something that libertarians should do is kind of, you know, go enjoy more community stuff. So, like, um, I don't know if you've got any, like, libertarian festivals or, like, the uh, um, libertarian party meetings or – Oh yeah, whatever the fuck they're called. Um, it's always a good time to be around other like-minded people, and um, you know, for me here in Pennsylvania, yeah, pretty much uh, everybody got a shot of Crown Royal. Um, I did make the mistake <laughs> of asking in uh, one of the signal chats or Discord chats, um, is there anybody that I didn't buy a shot of Crown Royal for? And, you know, of course I got a pretty yeah. long list after that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's libertarians are interesting when you get a bunch of us all together. Mm-hmm. Um, like I. I really enjoy libertarians, but also at the same time, I can't stand them. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's so many people on both sides for me, but there is no middle ground. There's no like, eh, that person's just all right. Like, I, I either <laughs> really like these people or I don't at all. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Well, when it comes to libertarian Twitter, uh, I definitely found myself a little bit more frustrated than not. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, anytime I see people in person, it's always a good time. And, I think that's what um, a lot of people need to do is kind of go out and touch grass a little bit more. And hell, even go hang out with people that you don't really agree with, because if you're not doing that, then how are we ever going to increase our numbers or at least good ideas out there and have, um, something for other people to consider. I really think that's really, really important. So, um, when it comes to, like party po- politics stuff, um, I used to be a little bit more active here in the libertarian party of Pennsylvania, um, over the last year or so I've become a little bit disaffected, but I still think there's a lot of great people doing activism there. But, um, you know, if people find more success in working with their local Republican party, okay. I'm open to that as well. But, um, you know it it is a lot of fun to go to political events and you know do stuff that isn't necessarily explicitly political. so um, I don't know if I'll go this year um I got yeah, I gotta recover from last year with my wedding and everything else, but um oh, yeah. yeah it's it's definitely really cool to go out there and um you know just meet all the people that you converse with on Twitter,
0: yeah, yeah it's it's really different when you uh get from behind the screen in mm-hmm. front of each other. It, it makes things really real, you know, because mm-hmm. you can just talk shit all day long, you know, yeah. which I, I love doing, but yeah, I did. I mean, it's, it's interesting just doing it in real life. And uh, li- libertarians are always awkward, which I like. Mm-hmm. I like awkward situations. <laughs> so, so, cause I, I thrive in like really, really awkward or tense situations. Like that's just where I thrive, you know? And it's just, happens all the time with libertarians <laughs>
1: <laughs> right right well i've always been a a uh, little bit more of a socially extroverted person when i was younger i was a little bit shyer but um you know especially if you give me alcohol then i tend to be a little bit more social and outgoing so um, I- i've tried to like twist people's arms my um drummer my bass player started an organization called rock for life where they donate um a lot of money to children's charities every single year so i'm trying to twist everybody's arm especially here in pennsylvania um i'm in southwestern pennsylvania so about like an hour uh pittsburgh and uh they host these festivals where anywhere from you know like 300 to over a thousand people show up and you know i think it's like 18 bands play over the course of two days and they have all sorts of vendors and it's always a good time so i'd love to have a whole bunch of people from all over the country or just all over the state to come and hang out just to kind of get away from the political stuff but also you know the uh, meme goes touch grass
0: yeah yeah seriously just get out and soak up some of those sun rays man <laughs> it, ma- it makes you feel better it really does and it just improves your mood mm-hmm. you know and just getting around other people you know i can only handle so much of that because eventually i'm just like i i, I need a smaller crowd mm-hmm. but dude i i used to love to go to warp tour all the time punk yeah. rock you know day punk punk rock summer camp and uh mm-hmm. I miss that shit for sure um yeah but it's it's just so interesting now that we are through the pandemic um, or it, basically it was just government shutdowns. So that's basically all that was. yeah um, it's It's just interesting how we're so sucked into this digital world, and I think part of it was uh, intentional, and even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter. it's getting us ready for things like you know the metaverse. Mm -hmm. where you know people are going to want to live all the time which is a, a terrifying thought to me
1: yeah so um i don't know if you know who tommy sammons is he runs the year zero podcast but he's um awesome guy he's actually probably one of the the most knowledgeable people on like esg and some of the globalist literature um he's much much more well informed on that stuff than i am and uh he had me on his show and we kind of talked about this globalist and the metaverse kind of stuff he sent me a video of a woman singing and the way this computer kind of rigged it she had all these different like octaves and tones and it sounds really cool but what that kind of lacks is the soul and I sent him this video and my number one favorite band in the world and the best guitarist that ever lived Pantera and Dimebag Daryl, and I don't care who has an nice. issue with it, <laughs> that that's that's it, and I'm sticking to it. So, um, there was this video of Dime on Dime Vision, and if anybody's not familiar with it, um, uh, get familiar with it because the Pantera home <laughs> videos and Dime Vision were absolutely incredible. So, um, there was this part of Dime Vision where Dime's holding this camera, and he like just got out of the shower, he has a towel on his head, and he's just talking. He said, Oh, well, what makes you cringe? and he's talking about how that slide of a hand on a fretboard on a guitar um makes a certain noise you can hear like this squeal and for someone like me who's very very tight and orderly when it comes to my guitar playing um for some people that'll make you cringe like it just drives you nuts hearing that in a record just hearing that hand slide up the fretboard but though to somebody else that may sound like the sexiest most serene saxophone in the moonlight i think that's like his exact words um and when you have this technology and this desire to change, what makes you unique, you really lose that kind of soul that he's referring to. So like um, the one example I use is that when my band was recording our first EP, the reckoning, uh, my singer, Jen, she is absolutely incredible. And I remember the engineer trying to like pitch correct her. And he stopped when he was doing it and he said, look, I can sit here and fuck with this all day but you're so spot on i can't do anything with it and there's something beautiful about that because you know she put in the time she put in the effort she put in the work to get there right just like i sat down for hours and hours and hours to get the calluses that are on my fingers um from years and years of playing guitar to get you know to where i am today um My bass player, same deal. He's been playing bass for years and years and years. My drummer, the other guitar player in the band. Um, And even beyond that to like bodybuilding, I'll never look like Ronnie Coleman, but I can look like the best me that I possibly can. Um, There's something deeply wrong to me about wanting to artificially change who you are instead of embracing what you were given. And I'm not really like a religious person, but um, we all are unique to a certain degree. And we have certain things that make us... um, special i hate to sound you know all esoteric or you know like a lib saying that you're some kind of special <laughs> snowflake but uh, honestly there are certain things that make us unique so the way that i play guitar is never going to sound the way that dime does and you know dime bag had this crazy smooth legato and right now Pantera is touring with zach wilde zach wilde's number two in my book but um you know he doesn't sound like dime but at the same time it's still fucking awesome because you know zach wilde's play, been playing guitar for probably 40 years and he has this certain style that makes pantera sound completely different but still at the same time awesome and charlie benanti is filling in um for vinnie paul and at first i kind of scratched my head at it but um he's been able to kind of step in and play that role relatively well so when you want to plug into the metaverse when you want to sit in the pod and eat bugs and own nothing and be happy um you're missing out on what is the human experience and that's truly a gift the greatest gift that will ever be given is to be able to you know plant our feet down and make our mark on the world
0: no i completely agree there's regardless of uh you know personalities and stuff every individual person has unique dna Mm -hmm. the metaverse will never be able to copy that ever Like we we are uh supercomputers, you know, our our minds and our bodies and everything, the fact that we even exist is incredible. Um and that the odds, the the odds of any individual existing are so astronomical. Mm-hmm. It's what what's scary to me about like the metaverse and like transhumanism and all of this stuff, it it, t- it takes away humanity. Mm-hmm. Like transhumanism, like the the whole my thought is that part of the reason why life is so beautiful is that eventually it goes away. Like mm-hmm. we die eventually like that. That's part of humanity. And if you take that away, then you're not human anymore. All right. So it, it, it's just all of the digital stuff. It is cool. Like it, it's, it's fun. And I like a lot of it, but it's, it seems flat, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying there, there's no, there, there's not that, uh, there's not the soul to it. And you'll never get that in anything that, you know, the, these globalists are pushing uh, because they can't replicate it. Mm-hmm. And it, they're, what they're, I mean, they're, they're trying to make it so like all of that stuff, all of, all of the normal things that we're used to are going to be so difficult that we have to go to them to be able to get things. And I'm just not for
1: that. Yeah, well, this kind of goes to the point that we were talking about earlier about being your own hero. Um, You really should try to be, once again, the most robust, healthy, well-educated, well-spoken, and you know, healthy individual you can possibly be. There's never gonna be another Albert King, you know, one of the greatest blues guitarists ever. No one's gonna be able to bend the strings the same way that he did. No one's gonna be able to sing and write songs like Jimi Hendrix did. No one's gonna be able to make a guitar squeal and sing like Dimebag did. But the beautiful part about that is the humanity in it. The fact that once again, that was their unique place in history and in music. Um, I'm sure my music will never be there but you know, it's going to be out there. If you type in a common crown, you're going to find my band you're going to find my solos. And it, a lot of it isn't chopped up. I mean, that was me working my ass off and the stuff that I put my heart and soul into to, you know, leave something that I felt was artistic and creative with the um, great individuals I play music with. Um, you know, when you want to bow down to the globalists and follow their agenda and, you know, transform yourself to something that isn't what you uniquely are, then you lose that. And I I think that's tragic because we should fully embrace what we're capable of. So, um, to kind of shift it over to bodybuilding and health and fitness. Um, a lot of people ask like, what do you, they'll ask, some people are more informed on like bodybuilding and building muscle metabolism and stuff like that. They'll ask this person, well, what do you think my genetic limit is? Well, who cares? You should go and find (laughs) out, right? I like that answer. Yeah, who cares? Because you're never going to know anyways. Yeah, Yeah, the only way you're going to get any way close to approximating what that is, is by going in and working your ass off for your entire life, right? And that's what I've committed to do. I want to be able to deadlift 400 pounds when I'm 70 years old now as to whether or not I'll be able to do that. I don't know, but you know, yeah. you'll never know unless you try to find out, you'll never know what your genetic limit is unless you push yourself. Right. Um, I would have never thought I would have been able to deadlift 405 pounds for 12 reps, but you know, I went in there and got it. I'm not the biggest dude in the face of the world, but you know, that's okay. I push myself as hard as I can and I still do day in day out. And wherever you end up is, going to be where you end up, but you're not going to know unless you're willing to work. And you know, if you're not willing to go in and put in the work, then you'll never find out what your potential genetic limit is, you know, you shouldn't leave anything on the table in that regards.
0: I, I completely agree. Uh, one, one thing I think that scares people away from fitness is the, the one topic that I, I think I hate the most, but I'm also fascinated the most by is nutrition. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's an industry first and then there's like it's also necessary for our existence if we don't eat we die you know so it's like you you have all these charlatans you know within Mm -hmm. the within the fitness community and i i think that scares a lot of people away when you know nutrition doesn't have to be hard no it it can be as hard (laughs) as you make it you know right
1: like so um i guess i'll i'll try to keep my story as brief as possible but um i was about 70 pounds heavier than i am now when i was 23 years old right now i'm 28 um i had met my fiance well my wife now but you know obviously we weren't even dating at the time i was 250 pounds and um i remember the one day she texted me and said hey i think i have like a gluten allergy so i'm going to cut this out um I was like, okay, well, you know, I just kind of carried on about my life. And then I started hearing about this wacky carnivore diet. Well, long story short, I did the carnivore diet and I lost a weight, a lot of weight. And I saw a resolution of a lot of issues. So like I used to have suicidal thoughts. Um, I would never claim that I had depression, but, um, you know, some of the symptoms that I would describe may sound like that. Mood issues, digestive issues. Um, A lot of the stuff went away when I lost all that weight and when I went on carnivore. Now I don't necessarily believe anymore that all that was because of going carnivore. I believe that was from weight loss. Um, but what I found when I went carnivore is that I would be really good for two weeks and then I binge good for two weeks binge. Right. And this actually is kind of born out in the literature because there was a study done on people who did like a ketogenic diet, if I recall correctly. And, a lot of the people in the studies had actually kind of found themselves doing the same thing where they'd be good. And then they'd binge eat. Well, what good is a diet if you can't stick to it? So, um, the problem with something like the carnivore diet or even like, let's say a low fat diet or any kind of diet that's very rigid in its design where you cut out all of one thing, um, what happens is is a lot of people will tend to see that thing as evil right they put morality to food which is something you should not do they put morality to food and then um whenever they let's say just slip up just a little bit then the mentality is well fuck it i already fucked up so i might as well just go all in right people just yeah, you know, no. well instead of eating just one piece of cheesecake and saying okay that was enjoyable i had my hedonistic um mouth pleasure yeah. with, <laughs> with somebody right um people just go all in and go crazy. So, um, food should be something that you enjoy and there's no morality associated with it. Right. Like the big thing now is demonized seed oils. Well, um, a lot of that's based on mechanistic data. And when you look at the human randomized controlled trials and the human outcome data, um, there's not a lot of evidence suggesting that the stuff is bad when you consume it in moderation. Um, a lot of stuff when it comes to nutrition, if you don't eat too much saturated fat, if you don't eat too many carbohydrates, if you don't eat too much fat, if you don't eat too much of whatever, you're probably going to be okay, right? Um, people get so caught up on demonizing one thing, and yeah, that's going to work. But once again, the problem is that people just get this reflex where as soon as they have a little bit of it, it's, you know, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> you know, no rules. Yeah. Let's let's just binge. Let's eat whatever gets put in front of us. But once again, you have to really remove reality, or um, morality from food and find a diet that you can stick with for the rest of your life. And sometimes you have to optimize for the last quality of life. So, you know, if you're out to a dinner or you're out to a party then enjoy something, you know, it doesn't have to be so rigid. Um, That's something that really put me in a bad place was having such rigid relationships with food. And it took me a while to kind of get back to a place where I could say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. Right. When I was on my honeymoon with my wife, um, we had, whatever we wanted and we enjoyed it for that week. But then as soon as we get back, it's time to you know get back on track. So um, when it comes to nutrition, I really wish people, it's very frustrating to listen to fitness influencers because they look great. And because they look great, you associate that with greater knowledge, knowledge you don't have. So you trust them and say, hey, if they look better than me and they're telling me this, then what they did must've worked, but what they did may not work for you, right? And that's where a lot of people are. Well, problems. I
0: mean, $12,000 worth of steroids a month, you know, it's <laughs> pretty wanna... good for anyone. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the whole problem with that whole situation is that you had somebody who actually preaches some good stuff and this is how they get yeah. you. And even in like the political realm, um, we could tie this all in very, very well together. So the left will say it's systemic racism. The right will say it's, you know, um, the border, um, China, and all this other stuff and you can say that's the issue vote for me and i'll fix this um eat raw liver and bull testicles and follow the nine (laughs) ancestral tenets and you'll be as jacked as me they all have this kernel of truth which makes it very very convincing and if you take that you can extrapolate it out and this even goes like conspiracy theory stuff where people have such a vague idea of something and say oh look i was right well yeah if you have, take a fifty thousand foot view and say some incredibly vague shit, then yeah you can yeah. manipulate the truth to whatever you want um yeah calm down
0: nose to dramas
1: <laughs> right right so one of my favorite people in the fitness world is Elaine norton and for somebody or for anybody who's looking for kind of a no bs fitness influencer he's probably one of the best to be completely honest with you um he says if you torture the data enough it will confess to what you want it to confess so um yeah it's it's really bad with Liver King because he posed this somewhat good information where okay you should eat more naturally you should try to get more sleep you should exercise right organs
0: have tons of nutrients in it
1: right right absolutely yeah um you should follow these ancestral tenets and you'll look like him well the only problem is as you said earlier um like eighteen thousand dollars worth of performance enhancing drugs per month, right? Yeah, some so hardcore ones too. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was taking like stacks some scary that scary shit. Yeah. He was taking stacks that would you know make Ronnie Coleman's jaw drop Jesus yeah. Christ. But um, you know, and what he says is to a degree correct, but the problem was is that he was marketing himself as a natty, but he clearly wasn't and selling this information as if you do this and you'll look like me. Well, if he would have just said, hey, I'm on a lot of gear because I want to optimize my physical performance and my physical appearance, but you should follow these tenets and see what they do for you. Not a problem. I agree with that. Yeah. But when you market it deceptively as he did, okay, now we have a problem. And that's what's called literally being a charlatan <laughs> is when you yeah. market yourself as something that you're not.
0: Yeah. Snake oil salesman. Yeah. Yeah. Which... It's, it's awful. I mean, but I mean, anybody that could look at him at his age and think that he was that jacked naturally <laughs> doesn't know much about physiology. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. It's, so it's just scary. Yeah. So as you get older, your body actually experiences what's called anabolic resistance. So um, in order to trigger muscle protein synthesis. I said that right. Sometimes it's a little bit of a mouthful, (laughs) but uh, to trigger muscle protein synthesis, your body needs about three grams of an amino acid, which is um, the the amino acids are what make up protein, which is the building block of muscle. You're going to need about three grams of leucine to trigger that. So that's about, um, I think it's like 20 to like 30 grams of protein from like an animal source. When you get into other sources, it changes a little bit. Um, And you can use what's called velocitol, which is like a certain ingredient that increases the absorbability of protein. Um, you need about that to trigger muscle protein synthesis, which is your body's response to build muscle. As you get older, you actually require more protein to trigger that. So as you get older, you actually have to eat more protein to get the same response. So if this is actually why I'm such an advocate for consuming animal products because the amino acids, the amino acid profiles are actually so um, they match up with our physiology very, very well. Um, you can have plant proteins too, and you can mix plant proteins that make them a little bit better, but animal proteins, no matter what are going to be your greatest source of protein, um, protein powders are pretty good too. But like when it comes to what's called the dias, the digestible, indispensable amino acid score charts, um, I think number one is egg. The number two is whey, and then you have like beef, pork, chicken, and then way at the bottom of your plant proteins. But actually what's a good plant protein is like potato protein powders. Cause that's actually high in loose. But if you look at cultures throughout history, the cultures that actually had a lot of plant proteins, they would actually mix them together. So it's really interesting to think about this because our bodies and the way that we understand nutrition, we always found a way. So like if you look at Asian cultures, they always mix beans and rice. Well, those actually have complementary complementary amino acid profiles. Um, and then obviously a lot of cultures ate a lot of meat throughout the, um, you know, throughout the ages. So they got a lot of their protein from that. So, um, I, I know it's a long tangent, but, uh, basically I'm a, an advocate for consuming animal proteins because that's going to be your greatest key to triggering muscle protein syn- synthesis and building the most amount of lean mass and also retaining bone health and other yeah. things like that.
0: Well, and if, if I understand, like, if I remember correctly, um, you know, just in biology class uh we had a conversation about about this and it's been a long time since i've been in high school but yeah um it basically like ounce per ounce if you eat you know a a clean meat the the quality of the nutrients are not only incredibly dense Mm -hmm. but so much higher than any other source and that was part of the reason that humans just eat meat in the first place is because of the, the high quality of the nutrients and the, the high uh, the the density of the nutrients. Like we can get more nutrients from like an ounce of beef than we could, you know, soy.
1: right well so there is something to be said for high volume low calorie dense foods if you're looking to lose weight right so like when you think about an orange an orange that's probably like the size of my palm maybe my hand is going to be anywhere from like 60 to 100 calories um a pound of apples is about 140 calories or no i'm sorry strawberries a pound of strawberries is 140 calories so when it comes to dieting you're going to want to eat those high volume low calorie dense foods that are very filling because one of the signals to feel satiated is um, the expansion of your stomach. So when you have a lot of foods like that, that will expand your stomach, and tell you that you're full. But on the other end of that, you do want of um, you do want foods that may be higher in some fats. You know, you don't want to go too high in the saturated fats because um, I had to change my mind on this because I was presented with overwhelming data, but um, if some certain, People, if, you ha- if you're if you sensitive to LDL and saturated fat, then actually over the lifetime, if you expose yourself to higher LDL cholesterol, then you actually are more likely to have an, of, an incidence of heart disease. So they did what was called um, Mendelian randomization trials where they actually measured people with certain phenotypes. And watch them all throughout their lives. And the people who had higher LDL actually had more heart attacks over the course of their lives. So um, this was something that I didn't believe in at all. But then over time, just as I was presented more and more data, I was like, wow, that's actually very, very surprising. So um that, that's a complete total side note. But um, yeah, <laughs> when it comes to eating, you know, your protein sources, you want to stick towards animal foods and um because that's gonna be where a lot of your protein, your fats, and your fat-soluble vitamins are gonna be. So, like grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Um, is slightly more nutritious than grain-fed stuff. Um, some people wave their hands about the atrazine and some of the uh, chemical compounds that may be um, may saturate the uh, fats in like grain-fed beef, but I think that's a relatively small thing to worry about. Um, You also want to eat some fatty fish to get like the EHA and DPA, and especially for actually pregnant women, um, that's actually very important for them to consume like a lot of fish because that actually helps with brain and eye health in the uh, fetus and for, you know, overall health. um, That's why a lot of people supplement with fish oil as well. So um, yeah, you definitely want to get a lot of your protein sources from animal foods, fatty fish, and then when it comes to like the rest of your calories, you want to get it from low volume or low high volume, low calorie, dense foods, like your fruits and your vegetables and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, even if you want, you could still enjoy protein bars and stuff like that. I know I do enjoy, um, protein powders. Um, I don't ever drink protein shakes by themselves. I've just become like the biggest freak in the world for cooking stuff with protein powder. Um, just to kind of make the stuff that is hyper palatable, but not so absolutely God awful for you. So, um, he yeah, definitely if i had to make recommendations for people you know a lot of animal foods that are on the leaner side and then a lot of like fruits and vegetables for your sides and then you know if you go out on the weekends don't be afraid to enjoy a cocktail enjoy a dessert and you know eat, eat a damn a burger. burger every now and then yeah <laughs> yeah dude come on you you have to enjoy life every once in a while
0: yeah well and i mean so the idea really if if it's that big of a concern for most people, yeah, indulge yourself, but realize you're going to have to work those calories off, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And so the, the the biggest lie, I think, that we were told uh, the food pyramid, mm-hmm. like, what sort of government propaganda is that shit? Like, mm-hmm. that, that massive chunk on the bottom of all the grains and everything, yeah. like, is just so disturbing to me and then tie that with the you know the the seed oils and everything uh, other uh pollutants uh, that that we come into contact with all the time like what whatever the hell's in toothpaste deodorants uh you know women with makeup and everything and then you add a sedentary lifestyle to that mm-hmm. which i think is really where a lot all of this is uh really settling is that sedentary lifestyle Uh, obviously if you put junk in, you're going to get junk out no matter how much you work, Mm -hmm. but you're going to be better off not being sedentary, uh, while putting crap into your body. But I I think kind of to circle back to those, like the, the seed oils and everything, I think that's really where like the damage and fear is coming from. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the seed oils, maybe the, the amount of them, uh, plus not doing anything.
1: Yeah. So this was something that I had to change my mind on as well. Um, I used to really buy into a lot of the seed oil stuff. And once again, if people are concerned, you should limit your consumption. But um, a lot of the data that I've seen now more recently, I just had Alan Flanagan on my show who runs a Lydia Nutrition and he has a research review. I mean, this dude is a whiz on this kind of stuff. Um, I used to believe canola oil and all the other oils are really bad for you. And I do believe they are if you ever consume them. But um, there were like randomized controlled trials done with saturated fat versus um, like canola oil. And what they actually found is that blood lipid profiles actually improved with people who are consuming canola oil. So now let me kind of walk this back to where I think people should be cautious. Um, when it comes to sugar and oils and fats and stuff like that, what you really should be concerned about is what if you're being satiated off these off these foods right so satiation just means you're satisfied you're no longer hungry um sugar saturated fats oils and stuff like that are really bad because they don't provide you any nutrients but they add a lot of calories. So when you look at foods with a ton of added sugars that adds a lot of calories, but you're not getting anything out of it, right? It tastes good. Yeah. But you're going to consume a lot of that and it's not going to give you any more satiation than you would if you went without it and same deal with oils. So like when you fry food and oils, then now you just added sometimes double the calories of what the food was by because you put all these fats into it. Um, So if you stay within, you know, your daily expenditure, then you're going to be okay. But I really think what this all boiled down to was just when you add, you know, fat and sugar together, it just tastes absolutely delicious. So think about all the foods that you just can't stop eating. Think about a potato chip, right? That is a little fried potato, which is a carbohydrate with all this oil on it, which is a fat and it has no protein. And you know, what the, what's saying is you can't just eat one. And yeah. when it comes to ice cream, think about what that is a bunch of dairy. So a whole uh, bunch of fat, I Fucking hate ice cream, <laughs> yeah. but most people can't stop yeah. eating it because yeah, it, it's exactly. so, yeah, it's so tasty, right? You have a whole bunch of sugar and you have a whole bunch of fats. So, or French fries, same deal, you know, oil soaked potatoes, or if you give somebody a plain potato, um, a plain potato is actually ranked as the most satisfying food as in like, it's very, very filling. Um. If I give you a plain potato, you're only going to eat so much. We say, get this the fuck away from me. I don't want to eat anymore, (laughs) but I take it. I put butter on it. I put salt. I put sour cream on it. Now you can't stop eating it because now you've added all those extra calories to it and all the extra flavor. And now you don't want to stop eating it. Um, So where I really think sugar and everything else did all the harm was in the fact that it just made people overconsume without realizing it. So um, this kind of goes back to I don't want to say an appeal to nature, but to kind of eating whole foods. You're not going to be adding all this junk to it that's going to make it so easy to overconsume. So when you make your own food, then you kind of know what you're adding in and what's not there, what is there. Um, and, and once again, to even circle back to the point of like, you still got to enjoy, don't be afraid of added sugars. Just try to limit them. Don't go overboard on them. And if, <laughs> if switching to like diet pop, is going to be the one thing that like makes or breaks your health, by all means do that. Cause I'd much rather have somebody um, drinking diet pop than regular pop if it's going to mean them, you know, losing 20 pounds or not. And to put this in perspective for people, um, one can of Coke is a pound of strawberries. I make that comparison all the time. And like, think about that. It's mind boggling to me that literally a can of Coke that's, you know, (laughs) that big um, has enough calories as like a whole bowl of strawberries would so um once again if you're gonna ask me should you consume dot pop I'm not gonna sit here and tell people oh you should just sit there and pound artificial sweeteners all day but um the totality (laughs) of human that the the totality of human data actually suggests that they're not really that harmful for you
0: yeah well and I I think like once again people get scared away from a lot of nutrition and health stuff Mm -hmm. because it it does seem so rigid like you can't do this you can't do that yeah, like me, me and my wife, we're we're uh, gonna do a uh, a sugar cleanse again mm-hmm. in January, and I was like, all is well and good. The only bit of sugar I'm allowing myself: coffee creamer. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else, anything with added sugar, uh, is going to be like labeled, and we're gonna mm-hmm. you know weigh the options of if this is something we have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, odd Odds are, most everything with added sugar, you usually don't have to have. Right. So, um, but it's it doesn't have to be as rigid as a lot of these people make it out to be. Absolutely. They they make it rigid for themselves, mm-hmm. but you can you can go ahead and take that, and you can add a little something to it, mm-hmm. make it work for you.
1: Right, and, and, and that's kind of what I want for people, and this is why I try to chase away people who are fear mongering about nutrition because um it's very easy to get headlines and clicks by saying sensational shit so like you see someone like paul saladino in the supermarket saying oh broccoli's bullshit kale's bullshit (laughs) protein powder's bullshit it's like come on man like if you tell people that the only way they're going to be healthy is if they just eat meat and raw testicles you know what people are going to say <laughs> fuck it i'll just be unhealthy like what is wrong with yeah. you don't don't tell people that and to the other side if you tell people hey you only can eat broccoli and quinoa and You need to do a
0: juice cleanse. Yeah,
1: like if you make the bar that high for people, a lot of people are just going to say, fuck it, I'll stay unhealthy. I'm not going to get into better shape. So my goal is to try and take away a lot of that stigma and tell people, hey, what works for you? So like anytime anybody ever asks me for nutrition advice, health advice, diet advice, I always ask, what's your goal, right? Because if I give you what I do, what I do may not work for you. I'm a flexible dieting advocate, right? I have pretty much whatever I want that I can fit within my daily expenditure, but that may not work for you. Some people may not be able to have, um, you know, a handful of chocolate and then put it down and that's okay. I'm not you. You're not me. We need to find what works for each individual to help them achieve their greatest level of health. And that's really what I try to do. So I want to give people as much information as possible to arm them with the knowledge to improve themselves. So when it comes to diet and nutrition, it doesn't seem so scary because it shouldn't be. Um, And that's why Right. That's why I get so angry about people who make these certain claims because one general way that you could be relatively sure that someone's a charlatan is when they make absolute claims of knowledge. Anytime you hear somebody saying, this is it, this is the only way, chances are they're full of shit. And this is what's really, really sad about the science, right? Um, Anybody claiming that something is like completely settled, they're usually peddling bullshit, right? So- when you hear a lot of experts talk the truth
0: is finally out the truth about yeah yeah
1: um anytime you see somebody saying making absolute claims you could be sure that they're probably charlatan so like um brad schoenfeld is one of the leading um researchers on like building muscle when you listen to him talk you would have no idea because he says well the research suggests we did these randomized controlled trials and it said this, this suggests this, it seems like it might be, they're gonna point you in the general direction, right? Now people, it's like the uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect, I think it's called. Um, yeah. People who don't know a lot about a certain field, um, it, it's like a graph, right? People who know less tend to tend to claim absolute knowledge, people who know more actually realize how much they don't know. So, um, really what you want to listen for when people are presenting data to you is, um, Hey, this suggests this. Um, this is what I make of it versus people who say, Oh, this is this. And that's for sure. So like yeah. when you listen to a lot of carnivore people, they're going to say, um, they're going to pull out mechanistic data and say, Oh, look what this plant compound did in this Petri dish. Okay. Well, who cares? What does it yeah. do in humans? Cause you can extrapolate tons of scary stuff. So like the artificial sweetener stuff, what they did with mice Um, they would feed them exorbitant amounts of artificial sweeteners and then see what happened to them well if i sit there and i gave you 36 cans of diet coke to drink in a day yeah you would probably feel like shit and you would probably have some issues but honestly how many people drink 36 cans of diet coke a day i'd be willing to bet if any it's a very very small amount
0: and that's about hold on a sec this is america (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. But um, anyways, pretty much what they did with a lot of these mice is um, they would feed them exorbitant amounts of stuff. And then when they would have adverse reactions, people would extrapolate that to humans. So like I saw this guy, um, Carnivore Aurelius, who puts out some good information and some not good information um he said don't eat almonds because there's cyanide in them okay well there's cyanide in apples too but you know where the corpses on the street from eating too many apples so i actually (laughs) went in and i did the math you would have to eat 500 raw almonds to get the amount of cyanide that would kill a person it's half a teaspoon of cyanide to kill somebody 500 raw almonds to get that first of all who do you know that eats just plain raw almonds and then who do you know that's going to eat 500 plain raw almonds the answer is nobody don't be scared of fucking almonds jesus christ (laughs) yeah
0: yeah it it's really interesting Uh, i had always gravitated towards people uh in the fitness community in general who showed humility Mm -hmm. if they were just like if if they have the ability to say i don't know about something that that right there's a good sign
1: yeah and, and honestly that's been something that's attracted me to anybody in any kind of realm people who are saying yeah. hey i was wrong about this um i screwed up here um there's something very very admirable about the humility um when people can admit in the face of overwhelming data that they got something wrong um yeah. i'm trying to think of a situation in politics that that happened i know there is one for sure but uh, it's just not coming to me off the top of my mind um one situation I could think of is, uh, a lot of the libertarian and anti-war people who admitted, Hey, we got it wrong about Ukraine and Russia. Um, you know, we didn't think that would happen, but it did. Um, you know, once again, I can really respect people who said, Hey, I, I fucked up here. And, you yeah. know, um, now I stand corrected.
0: So one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and we'll sure. start wrapping up here. So I don't keep you too long. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think is like some of the main causes of, uh, testosterone dropping in men over the
1: decades. That is a very very loaded question. Um Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um I think obesity plays a role, so as I kind of was talking about earlier, a lot of the fact um a lot of hyperpalatable foods that make it very very easy to overconsume and make it very hard to be satiated um when you get more obese your testosterone drops so that's a factor um i do believe screen time and kind of having a phone in front of your face and not being able to sleep properly actually affects your testosterone as well so um you know just us being on social media all the time is going to have an effect um and then even i'm not necessarily an expert on this kind of stuff but when it comes to like relationships and the way that our society is organizing when it comes to men and women um It's really, really sad that men, a lot of men in the lower rung of society who aren't the elite or the top, you know, five to 20% of men, um, they really don't have as many places to go. So, um, when you don't have a partner throughout your life, then your testosterone drops because, you know, what the hell do you need? (laughs) What do you need that for? If you're not going to reproduce, um, so those would be a few things off the top of my head that I think are causing a testosterone drop. Um, a lack of exercise as well. When you exercise, that increases testosterone. Um, a lot of people talk about microplastics and some other stuff like that. I feel like they're missing the forest for the trees. Um, one thing that I definitely notice is that um, I do see a lot of like better looking men getting with you know, women who I feel like they shouldn't be with, like, they're better than these women. And it's not say that all women are bad, but like how it seems to kind of go now. Um, and I talked about Roland Tomasi earlier. He talks about um, the sexual marketplace and kind of where men and women max out. So men of all ages rate women their most attractive in the ages of like 22 to like 25, Right so women don't necessarily have to work or achieve anything right women are intrinsically valuable because they're so attractive and they have the ability to you know birth children so in that age range of 22 to 25 that's when men rate them their most attractive and that's also when they're the most fertile So now you have a lot of men that have to work to become more valuable men. And men tend to max out and become their most attractive by most women's standards in the ages of like in their thirties to forties. And then it kind of tapers off a lot less slowly. But for women, it's like from the time they're 15, they get more and more attractive and then they're 25 and then it drops off pretty sharply. So what women tend to do now is that they realize that they have that gift of natural beauty in their early ages and they go out and fuck giga chad at the uh, pool party in cancun because you know he was hot um you know i was drunk and one thing led do another and then they end up having kids with these men and then these men don't stick around because um you know giga chad in his 20s who's blessed with good genetics or who may be a little bit older and finally established himself he can get with whoever he wants but men in their early 20s don't necessarily they're not necessarily afford that same um you know capability so it seems like now what's happening is there's you know more and more men who are perhaps the more elite that get more and more women and they have their choices and then once those men no longer want those women and they already have you know these men's kids then these men have to go off and you know sa- settle up with single moms and women who aren't quite as attractive anymore because their sexual marketplace value has dropped greatly after having another man's kids. So I, I know that's not entirely relevant to the point, but um, basically this whole separation and this new kind of age we're seeing with social media and how it's manifesting in our behaviors and manifesting in culture and society, I think also contributes to a lack of testosterone. So yeah, I would say lack of sleep, lack of exercise, poor diet, and um, you know the fact that we're having almost a two tiered system of men who have and have not.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because one of my favorite like videos to watch on the internet is videos of like men on the street stuff. And (laughs) whoever is interviewing will ask, you know, women like what's wrong with your man or whatever. And then she'll like have this long list and then he'll be like, okay, what's wrong with you? And she's like, nothing. I'm a 10. I'm, I'm perfect. (laughs) And it's like, that is such an issue like mm-hmm. you're not a princess you know yeah. and that that sort of attitude is literally going to get you nowhere
1: yeah so or women... it's going to get
0: you the quality of men that you keep bitching about
1: right well women have really been told from the time that they're kids you know you go girl you're a princess and then we also have all these social conventions surrounding um That are supposed to make women feel good. So um, one thing that we always says is uh, we live in a feminine primary society, which I think is or feminine primary social order. I'm sorry. And I think that's true because a lot of the stuff that we do is actually at the behest and at the benefit of women. So, um, you know, the trope of, you know, you're not the stepdad, you're the dad who stepped up. Um, This benefits women, it doesn't benefit men. And we know, I mean, the data is crystal clear that um, stepchildren are way more likely to be beaten than children who aren't their own. And I mean, biologically, it makes sense I mean, that's not your child. So why would you invest in something that isn't your child? And women really have this inflated sense of self-worth. And what's probably gonna happen is that, you know, you're seeing this somewhat in some space in the internet of the MGTOW, the men going their own way communities, the black pill community, and I think that's a wrong approach. I think men should aspire to be the best men that they can be, because women don't care about you. You know, the men who are going off in their own corner and crying themselves to sleep, the incels and stuff like that, um, you're invisible to society at large. Nobody cares about you if you're if that's going to be your approach. That shouldn't be your approach, and that's what's. I don't want to solely blame this on men, because it's really not just the men. It's the fact that women have and the culture has told women that they should have this huge ego that drives men away. And it's going to require the part of men and men taking responsibility and stepping up and taking authority as well. To kind of bring this back to some kind of normal, well, I shouldn't necessarily say bring it back, but push us forward to a new norm because that's really what we need. And it's not to say that we have to go back to 1920s where you're slapping your wife's ass and she's in the kitchen making you a sandwich and taking care of the kids. Although <laughs> that that is definitely preferable. Yeah. Um, we have to go forward, and we need to find a way that men can more effectively, you know have responsibility and authority because what is right now we have men who have to take 100 responsibility with zero ability to affect that um or (laughs) men have to take 100 responsibility but they have zero percent um ability to affect that responsibility so what is responsibility without authority it's slavery it really is because if you don't have any say in the direction of your life or the direction of your family's life but you have to Bear all the costs, then it literally is slavery. You have no say in the way that things go, and that's really what it is.
0: Yeah no no wonder why there's such a high suicide rate among men. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it's concerning to me because I think culturally, uh, socially, we we never accounted for the fact that like society was set up for a, for a, a particular way for men before mm-hmm. women entered the workforce. And that didn't really change when they did enter the workforce. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is like, I don't want a manly woman. You know, I don't want a bad bitch or a boss bitch or whatever. Like that's not attractive to me. I want a feminine woman and whatever that, you know, feminine means to women, they can decide that that's not up to me, but I can decide what is masculine for me Mm -hmm. and I, I I don't want these masculine traits in a woman. Like, yeah, that's and, why I have my friends. Right, you know? and, and
1: that's one of the biggest lies that women have been told is that they need to be manly and they have to be a boss ass bitch in order to get a man. But the honest to God truth is, is that a lot of these women now, when they get into their 30s and 40s and they decide to have a career for their entire life, they're very, very upset because they became the men they want to marry. And women want a man who's equal to them, but makes 58% more than they do. Yeah, That's the honest to God truth. They don't want a man on their, on their level because that's not attractive to them. Right. So I encourage people to stop listening to Jordan Peterson and listen to more role Tomasi, because I feel like Jordan Peterson only tells people half the story where it's Um, You need to man up and take responsibility versus you need to understand the game and the way that the deck is stacked against men today. But at least if you understand the game, then you can know how to better prepare yourself for what you're up against. And this goes back to politics as well. This is why I think people need to know the truth. Um, And i mean even ties back to having a savior complex people need to know the truth of what they're up against so that way they can breast prepare for what we have to do so when people omit donald trump's foreign policy when people omit the fact you know biden's crime bill or whatever pick your politician and the issue that they have when people leave out that stuff then you're not sufficiently preparing people for the task that's actually at hand and once again if you're not prepared for the task at hand then (laughs) you know how do you ever expect to win
0: yeah uh I, I think Jordan Peterson he's a great starting point but mm-hmm. he's been turned into a bit of a monolith yeah and it's it's like he's not the end all be all but he did do something very important and he brought he brought the uh the focal point to where people should be starting mm-hmm. you know get up and make your fucking bed
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah clean up your
1: room yeah and, and then, he was very very influential on me as well. But um, yeah, it's like you said, I, I, I get frustrated because people hold him up as basically what they want him to be instead of just saying he is who he is and we're going to yeah. be grateful for what he provided. And that's it. You don't expect him to. He's not an anarcho capitalist. He's not yep. some, you know, Machiavellian free speech dude, although he, he kind of was to a degree, but he, he just is who he is, right? don't think that he's going to you know fight the vaccine regime or anything like that that's not him so take the lessons that he provides and then find that in somebody else because once again he's not it like i see people saying oh he's an or he's a fake alpha dude he he never was (laughs) never was no
0: no he's never claimed that right yeah it's it's just interesting i see a lot of people like oh we lost jordan peterson it's like no i actually believe he's the same person he always has been right um it's just you're now looking at him in a different light and you don't like some of what he is and guess what that's okay but that doesn't negate what he's done but guess what you don't go to him for foreign policy you know (laughs) like if if you want especially not now yeah exactly especially not now (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you 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 need uh to look to him for the direction that men should be heading mm-hmm. you know generally and that's that's great that first mm-hmm. book uh the the first 12 rules was amazing yeah. you know second uh it was okay i still mm-hmm. bought it still read it still liked it but just wasn't as impactful you know yeah. it's it's interesting i i really try to focus on you know the the, the state of men because it's important to me that mm-hmm. We get back to a, a certain level of masculinity that I think is being stolen from us for so many different reasons. And I think that that's part of, part of us losing our freedoms is because we don't have that. We don't have these independent thinkers. Uh, I mean, the more independent you are, the more of a threat to the system you are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so that's um, kind of why I advocate for resistance training and you know making yourself the best possible individual that you can be um, is for exactly that. Um, we said at the beginning of the show, you know, it correlates overall strength does correlate with longevity. So how else can you bring about the world that you want to see if you're not living it? So I, I get frustrated with a lot of these people who are right wingers, right? They jack off about how right wing they are and like okay th- th- that's fine you know everybody enjoys jacking off we can play come on the cracker whatever you want to do but um hell yeah you know it-, it should be a demonstrated value not an explicated value right so i don't claim to be right wing but if you look at like the way i live my life i'm married i have a home i got four cars i'm a blue collar dude you could call me right wing sure but the fact is that i demonstrate those values right I love my wife, I'm loyal to my wife. Um, I go to work every single day. I wake up early the same time every single day, 4.30 the alarm goes off, I'm up out of bed. Um, I work out consistently and I care for the people around me. I have a great network of other like-minded individuals who make my life absolutely fantastic. Those are my demonstrated values and I plan to be a leader that way. So that way people know my values because people don't give a fuck about how right-wing or left-wing or how libertarian you are. If you're not a real libertarian, nobody gives a shit. I hate to break it to you. Nobody cares. You know what people do care about how much you care and how you show those values to the rest of the world. That's way more important than whatever explicit title you claim to.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, once you live those values and you you show people what those values can bring to their life, that's what gets people interested in them. Exactly. You know? So you're you're over here having building a life that, you know, most people aspire to to have. Yeah. And then you get to talking to them and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm a libertarian. I, I believe this." And everyone starts thinking, "Wait a second. Why is that?" Like even if it's not outwardly, they, they do internally uh, ask these questions and it's like, you know, there's, there's something to this probably. Mm-hmm. So on that, I, I think we'll wrap up here, Kyle. Cool. But honestly, it was really great to have you on. And I want to get you on again because I, I think this is a, a really important subject that on the surface doesn't seem important. But it's like the one thing that's been taken away from us is our health. Mm -hmm. and i mean we we've got to get it back otherwise how the hell could we fight off somebody trying to feed us bugs
1: (laughs) right dude absolutely so yeah make sure you uh (laughs) protect the second amendment at all costs and then also (laughs) you know make yourself the most robust healthy individual you can um yeah i said when i had ian smith on my show um you know if uh at the beginning of the pandemic they told everybody to drop down do push-ups and deadlift until they puked <laughs> we probably would have been <laughs> a lot better of shape uh, to be completely yeah. honest with you but yeah your health is incredibly important to you your family and everybody else and i don't know of a better way to spread liberty than to demonstrate the values of liberty in your own personal life and show people what that looks like And if we want to spread these ideas and we have to be people worthy of the influence that we want to have. And I'm sorry, I don't think you can do that if you don't demonstrate those values in your personal life. And I sincerely do believe part of that is being as healthy as you possibly can. Right on, man. Where where can
0: everyone find you? Keep up with uh, what you've got going on.
1: Sure. Yeah. So you can find me at Kyle Matovic, K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. The C is silent. Um, (laughs) You can uh, look up my band, A Common Crown. If you go to my link tree, you can find all the links there. I'm on Rumble, Odyssey, YouTube, all the major podcatchers on Facebook at Kyle Matovic. Twitter um, is there as well. My podcast is called In Liberty and Health, where we talk about all things health, wellness, and beyond. And um, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on, and um, you know, down to do it anytime again. And I would love to have you on sometime as well.
0: Yeah, anytime. Let me know. Um, this This podcast sphere is is interesting, you know, and I really I really like to see the cream rising to the top. As Macho Man always said, you know, yeah. the cream always rises to the top, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, all right. Thanks for every everyone for watching. If you made it to this point, make sure to hit that like, subscribe, share uh you know all of that stuff we always have to say that helps the channel grow more than anything else and uh it's free it takes you just a second so go ahead and do that and uh keep an eye out we've got some real big plans coming up for this next year to uh you know get some donations going and uh improve the show along the way so uh make sure to stick around for that and uh until next time stay free my friends